You're listening to the Erasing Shame podcast, season two. We are erasing shame by replacing it with honest talk about healthy living, emotionally, relationally, mentally, and personally. Let's get started. Welcome to a new episode of Erasing Shame. My name is DJ Chong, and I'm privileged to be joined by Grace Sengalang Ng, and she is uh, researching this topic of shame, but I'll let her describe how she got into this because um, we're here to talk about erasing shame, have some honest talk for healthy living. Thank you for joining me, Grace. Hi, good to be here. Great, so tell, tell us uh, who you are and what it is that you're doing. Okay, so yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Grace Sengalang Ng. Um, I'm a doctoral student at Biola University um, at Talbot School of Theology in the um, Doctorate in Educational Studies. And right now I'm actually um, researching how shame affects Asian Americans in the classroom. Um, hopefully writing my dissertation topic on that. So yeah, I am really interested in the topic of shame. Wow, that, that's perfect for uh, many of our listeners and viewers here because we, we do have a good percentage that are Asian American and many of them are educated, so they are in the classroom. <laughs> so how, how did you um, get interested in this topic and um, maybe talk a bit about your childhood and upbringing? How did family shape you and um, become a context where you experienced a bit of shame? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of my interest of this topic comes from my own experience. Um, I'm second generation Filipino American. Um, so my parents immigrated from the Philippines um, in the 1970s. They came to America, and then I was born um, in America, and so was my brother. So um, growing up, it was uh, me and my brother. Um, and my parents, you know, they worked really, really hard, um, as with, you know, similar to a lot of immigrant parents. Um, they sacrificed a lot uh, to come to America and to provide a better life for me and my brother. And so because of that, I think I carried um, a lot of that burden. Um, there's actually this phrase um, in Tagalog or Filipino called utang na loob. Um, translated, it means debt from the inside. And so if... Um, like someone does something for you, especially like a family member, you know, like parents providing for their children, um, children become indebted in a way to their parents. And so I think in a lot of ways, I carried and internalized that burden, um, even though, you know, I didn't, I couldn't articulate that, like growing up as a kid. Um, but I think I really felt, felt, you know, the necessity to work really hard and to do well in school. Um, and to not fail um, because I wanted uh, to please my parents because I felt like they, they've done so much for me. I really want to do as much as I can um, to honor them and to not bring shame on our family. Um, and so I think a lot of my experience with shame stems from that, um, that wanting to, you know, please my parents and um, perform and do well and excel in academics. Um, and so fast forward, how I got interested in researching it is um, I went to Talbot for um, my master's degree. And, uh, and so after that, um, 
in during my program, um, I explored um, a lot of these family dynamics and how it kind of like formed my character and shaped how I respond to things. Um, and I think in in that process, I realized, oh, you know, the reasons why I struggle with um, articulating my emotions or expressing what I'm feeling inside is because I didn't have the space to do that growing up. You know, I was so busy um, doing, 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 and trying to do what my parents um, wanted me to do or be the person they wanted me to be that I had no uh, voice of my own. Um, mm. And so I wasn't able to express like what I was internally feeling. And um, when I did feel sadness or anger or like negative emotion, um, I felt shameful for feeling those negative emotions because uh, my parents didn't really give me like the space to express those things. And so that kind of uh, made the shame worse. And mm. so um, it was really hard, um, I think, to, to uh, ask for help because I wasn't mm -hmm. able to even um, know what I was feeling inside. And so in my um, graduate program, I think I uncovered a lot of those layers and realized, oh, the thing that's um, kind of keeping me down is that, is that shame, that feeling of not good enough. Um, mm. So, yeah. Well, let's explore that a little bit because um, may, may, uh, the, the story sounds fairly common that many Asian American families in this generation do have parents that immigrate and they do work very hard to provide and they do uh, hope and, and desire that their children would aspire to the Asian American dream, yeah. which is a college degree and possibly a graduate degree and then go on to get married and have grandkids and then repeat the cycle. But uh, in that journey, uh, there are people that don't excel. Uh, actually, the majority of people don't excel, but we only see the ones that are celebrated and the ones that do excel. And then what happens to the rest of us, right? And then because we're in this common situation, we don't know that there's help. So what opened your eyes to uh, the situation that you were in? Did something happen that you couldn't quite get the right grades or were you uh, disciplined or punished for uh, missing um, a class or something? Um, the big thing that kind of like triggered, um, you know, all this emotion to come out of me and, I, and me realizing, oh, I really need help because I can't actually like, process or really control all of this emotion coming out was, um, yeah, my friend actually went missing for 24 hours. And so because of that, um, like, it was like a super high anxiety, stressful situation. And I think like, the years and years of emotions and anxiety that I like kept bottled up, um, it kind of hit that tipping point. And so at that point, I was kind of just like exploding and leaking everywhere, even towards my parents. Like they were like, mm. I don't, we don't even know what to do with you, Grace. And um, so I think at that point, that's when I was like, I really need help. I really need to talk to a counselor or to a spiritual director. Um, so that's the point where I actually started um, doing therapy and spiritual direction. Um, and because I was in a graduate program that encouraged that, um, it was really helpful because the resources were actually like 
available to me um, in my program. So I was grateful for that. Mm. So are you saying you didn't really hit the wall until graduate school or did you have um, smaller incidents in high school and middle school in undergrad? Um, yeah, I mean, in high school, I think I did struggle with depression. Um, mm. There were times where, yeah, it was just like I would wake up and I would feel like even though I was like trying to do all these things to please my parents, like I, I was so tired and fatigued um, of like doing so much um, that I had f- thoughts of like, why don't I like, can I just die? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just tired of trying. Like, um, it would be easier if I if I could just stop everything. Um, I think it was just, yeah, the great burden that I carried. Um, and so in those times where I was feeling um, like, like really down and, uh, you know, thoughts of like suicide or harming myself would um, come into mind. Um, those were also periods where I'm like, I, I think I need to talk to someone because it was getting like too severe. Um, so I would usually, even though I didn't get like professional help, I would try to talk to like a close friend. Um, and I think, yeah, reaching out to someone was something that really helped helped me um, overcome those feelings and those really dark times. Mm. Uh, Can you say how long was the struggle and were there any other things that you did that were helpful? Um, Well, I think all, all through maybe like my sophomore to senior years Mm. of high school. um, I think it was kind of off and on and even through college. Um, yeah, I just had periods um, where I really struggled. Um, I can't really think of like exactly how long because it, it was mostly just like periods of time. Um, but yeah, talking to people, I think that was probably the most helpful. Um, reaching out to a close friend, telling them what I was going through, um, and then them like loving me in that process. I think that was um, the most beneficial thing um, that helped me. So, yeah. Now, uh, what did you study undergrad? Was it related to what you're studying now in grad school? Uh, I was an English major, so, uh, not super related, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoy like literature and reading and writing. And so I think that really helped prepare me for grad school in a lot of ways because it's a lot of reading and writing. So, yeah. Very good. So um, you, you got your master's degree and then now you're working on your PhD. Can you summarize some of the findings that you discovered in your uh, master's study about Asian Americans and shame? Yeah, so um, in my master's thesis, uh, it was about how Asian Americans um, experience shame and how that affects their relationships Um, with God and with others. And so, yeah, I think I just read a lot of literature about it and um, kind of integrated different things, um, like looking at um, like the Bible as a source, seeing how honor and shame played out um, in the Bible and how that affects also um, like the the psychology part of shame, 
how we like experience the feeling of shame, um, how that's uh, one dynamic of shame. And then there's also the cultural aspect of shame, um, especially like in the Asian American community, because it is more of like a communal group oriented culture. Um, I think oftentimes we care a lot about you know, how people um, view us or see us because we really want to make sure that we um, are belonging to our group. And like, you know, we don't want to get shamed because we don't want to um, get separated from belonging to that group. So there's a whole, a whole lot of different um, aspects of shame. I think that's pretty much like um, through my master's thesis, I realized, mm -hmm. you know, there was so many different layers. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then currently, um, because I realized there's so many layers, I needed to kind of like narrow down um, in what I wanted to study um, for my current uh, program. And so I think because it is an educational studies, um, I was seeing, oh, how does shame affect Asian Americans and the way they learn, um, especially in the classroom, because I think in the classroom, um, a lot of the honor shame dynamics are at play with like the teacher student relationship because hmm. you know, Asians really, I think want to honor or they really put like their teachers um, up on a pedestal or like of a place in authority. And because of that, I think um, Asian Americans, I think tend to be more or and Asians and Asian Americans, I think tend to be usually more quiet in the classroom as I've observed um, in classes that I've been in. They don't, you know, want to speak out as much as maybe their um, like other classmates, um, because I think part of that is that they don't want to bring uh, like shame upon themselves, um, and because mm. they really fear the authority of their like teachers. So mm. yeah, those are a few things that um, I've I've seen in my research. Well, that's fascinating because um, as we've done this erasing shame podcast since February. So it's been about nine months now, almost every week. We've just also discovered that there's many layers and many aspects to shame. It's almost like a black hole that the further we dig in is the more that we've discovered. And part of the reason I think is because we haven't studied it and we haven't talked about it. And uh, it takes on a whole nother flavor when it comes into the Asian American context, because we have two cultures that are kind of clashy sometimes and then a lot of the research tends to be done in the Western world where psychology is much more advanced um, or much more developed, but from an individualistic model, which doesn't quite transfer into um, uh, our particular context. So um, it's, it's good that you shared a couple examples there. Um, it, would, would you say that there are uh, distinctives between different Asian ethnicities? Have you noticed some differences between the uh, largely pop, uh, majority East Asians, like Chinese, Korean, and Japanese versus uh, being Filipino, which would be more Southeastern? Yeah, I definitely think there are differences. Um, I honestly haven't really delved um, as much into it. Um, Speaking from my own experience as a Filipino American, I think for Filipinos, yeah, the honor shame dynamic comes in the, um, as I said previously, like the utang loob, like the debt from the inside, um, and then, like that's the reason why um, children don't want to 
like disappoint or dishonor their family. Um, and then also like Filipino culture is considered um, a really happy culture. Um, a lot of times uh, Filipinos are very like hospitable and um, really like easygoing, laid back, more of a kind of like the Islander culture. And so, which is really fun. I mean, like, yeah, we have really great parties, you know, karaoke and all that good stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of laughing. Um, yeah. we, laugh, we laugh at everything, you know, so we have a great time. Like we're great. Uh, we're great at celebrating. Um, I think that's, that's one of our strengths. Um, and and also, you, you know what? We're entering the Christmas season and it reminds me of a Anthony Bourdain episode where he was in uh, Manila, I think, and they were celebrating Christmas the whole month. Yeah. Yeah. Their celebrations <laughs> are great with music and dancing. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Their celebrations are huge. Yeah. They have like full on huge, like, Christmas lights everywhere and there's stars and nativities like everywhere. So yeah, it's a really fun time, like Christmas time over there. <laughs> yeah. So that's the fun part of, um, I think Filipino culture, but on the flip side, um, is that it's like negative emotions, like anger and sadness, um, are not really, in, uh, there's not really a space to express that in a culture that's always happy. Um, and so I think because of that, um, you know, when Filipino Americans experience like sadness or anger or grief, like they don't know what to do with that. And then that can cause even more shame, just even in experiencing the feelings. So that's kind of the more like downside of the cultural aspect of the happy culture. Um, mm. So there's always, you know, like a good and bad uh, side, I think, of of every like aspect um yeah i'm just i'm trying to think of other uh like oh well, that's okay but i just can't um think of it at the moment so <laughs> yeah well you you, li you live it and so um it's not something we readily talk about like what's my culture versus someone else's culture but you've done a very good job so thank you for exploring that a bit with me because um, I, I've, I'm finding that a lot of culture is just lived rather than explained. Mm -hmm. And so until you're in that context and you're having conversations and relating to people, a lot of those things don't quite, uh, under, don't quite make sense or they're not understandable. You know, even for me as a Chinese American, I didn't understand Chinese culture until I was in a Chinese church with many Chinese instead of just my own family. And uh, it was a rude awakening, but, <laughs> but uh, it helped me to realize uh, culture is quite a dynamic thing. So uh, as we wrap up, um, good, good luck on your studies. Thanks. And uh, glad, glad you're tackling this uh, really um, big topic. And I hope you discover some things that will be helpful to uh, many Asian Americans as they go through the classroom. Um, any last thought you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, particularly those that might be struggling and maybe don't know or don't know that um, they can find help? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, I would encourage listeners is that um, oftentimes shame isolates us and makes us want to hide and cover because um, we don't want people to see us. Um, but in that place, I think, is the place where we actually need the most help and need to reach out to someone. Um, yeah, so 
I think if people are feeling um, really alone or um, really feeling that shame of not feeling good enough, I think that's really the point where, um, you know, just reaching out to a friend saying, hey, you know, can we just hang out for a little bit or even just someone's presence with you in that place, I think even helps take you out of yourself. Um, just having someone there, even if they're not even talking to you, even if you're just like sitting, watching a movie, you know, doing something together. Um, if it's too hard to talk, I think, yeah, just taking that step of reaching out is so important. Very good. Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, thank you for joining us on Erasing Shame. And we want to uh, provide an open hand and a safe place for those of you that want to reach out and we have a confidential voicemail as well as a confidential contact form at erasingshame.com. And you can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube and catch us on your podcasting device wherever you uh, subscribe and listen. Uh, until next week, thank you for uh, watching and listening and um, connect with us on erasingshame.com. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Erasing Shame. Please subscribe on iTunes or YouTube and like us on Facebook. Share this podcast with someone you care about. For all of our episodes and more, visit our website at erasingshame.com.